my brain's been like dead <laughs> since watching that final trick go wide left. Like that kick was was closer than I thought it would be to go in. You know, I think this is like a 2019 Colorado just yeah. never had a chance. But like that looked good for 80 percent of the way there. Oh no, man! I mean, we'll get there. But like in the stadium, it looked back to the minute it came off the foot. Oh yeah. Welcome. Yeah. All right. I, I think that's America's worst football team. I think this is our first ever uh, immediately after the game pod. And I, I think it's no. the right game to do it with. Well, the, no, this is best game, worst game. I mean, so I, I want to warn all five of our listeners right now. That's if shockingly you have accurate. Not the Georgia Southern game. Did you even watch the game or watch the game? Yeah. But. We're as a neutral observer, it's pretty entertaining of a football game. Oh, if you're not a Nebraska football game fan, that was a great game. Yeah. If you had no context of the history and the current status of the two teams, uh, you'd think that was, I don't want to say a high-level game, but like a game between two teams was somewhat of a future, you know? That was a, that was a really good Sun Belt game. Yeah. The Sun Belt, which had the best day in its conference's history. Shout out to the Sun Belt. I remember when you were the lowest of the low in terms of group of five, and now you're arguably better than the Pac-12. Shout out Georgia Southern. Yeah. Shout out Marshall. Yeah. Shout out Appalachian State. You done did it again, you crazy bastards. And you've got game day. Coming to you next week. That is huge. But App State beat number eight Texas A and M. That's right. Incredible. I'm still happy for the Sun Belt. Yeah. Also, I'm still profound with that. Yeah. Like this is the last moment I will allow, like a neutral perspective. It's time to panic. Yeah. Hit the button. No, if... I think Scott Frost has fully exhausted all of his possible excuses. There, he's th- done, right? Yeah, he, he's got to be. At the very least, there is no way he makes it till the end of the season. At the very least, he makes it to op- October 1st where the buyout is reduced. Just to save some money. Just to save some money. But I am not sure that the way the schedule works out does not mean that he's probably gone before then. Because we have Oklahoma next week on big noon kickoff in front of an even bigger national audience than the one that uh, saw us lose to Georgia Southern. This is against an actual good opponent, the first one we've played all year. But, like, there's no... Lot, it can be more embarrassing than that Northwestern one. Yeah. I, I, I disagree. I disagree. But that was the only football game. And the first football game. Yeah. It was the CFB kickoff. We're putting all of our trips behind watching Northwestern and Nebraska. Last year was a good game. 
it better be a good game. And it's also going to be in Ireland. And then we hit the fucking bed and had an onside kick 11 points ahead. Yes. That was bad, but that was not unsalvageable. Last year, it was a similar situation aside from the Ireland factor. Uh, we went on the road against the new coach, Brett Bielema, who was a joke amongst most college football fans at the time, and probably still is, and got outcoached and lost. But at the end of the year, the team's reputation was drastically different than the one who lost to Illinois. It, 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 Northwestern lost, like, got fucking... I'm so sorry. We're just going to have to put the explicit tag on this one. Yeah. Like, there's no way they're going to bleep me all night. I'm sorry about that. Holy mother of God. Northwestern got killed today. Killed is too far of a term. They almost tied the game against the Duke team that I believe is in year one of a new coach after Cutcliffe was there for like 40 years. They had a run play that would have tied the game, but they fumbled on the one-yard line. So, killed is not the right word, but they lost to a bad team, a team that was expected to be bad. So any, you know, sunshine pump of a, well, maybe this is even your Northwestern, maybe they're just good this year and Nebraska will still be fine, did go out the window today. My original point that uh, the Illinois lost, like, the team changed its reputation for that by playing up to its later competition and by taking care of its cupcake competition in the two, in the two games since. Fordham was tight for a quarter, but Nebraska took care of them easily. Buffalo was tight for, like, two quarters, but Nebraska was clearly the better, better team, and Buffalo had no chance of winning the game with a quarterback named Kyle Van Treese who may sound familiar to those of you who actually watched the Georgia Southern highlights. Yeah, that, that's brutal, man. Yeah. This year, Nebraska got off on a worse foot than the Illinois loss, but they still had the chance to change their reputation in the weeks prior by taking care of business. The week zero loss did not need to be the identity of this team. But unlike last year, it was. Because unlike last year, Things got worse because the gimme games, the games that were the least embarrassing of Nebraska's schedule last year, have now become the most embarrassing due to losing to a team that last year went 3-9 and nine in the Sun Belt and hired a coach who got fired in disgrace from USC and who, in the post-game press conference, Scott Frost openly admitted he was outcoached by. That's where this year and last year differ, is that after Illinois, it didn't get worse. After Northwestern, it did get worse. This is demonstrably worse than Northwestern, because Northwestern did not make the season unsalvageable. This did. I, I honestly, I think you are being underdramatic. <laughs> You are not stressing this enough. This didn't just ruin the season. This ruined a coaching tenure. Yeah. Like, his tenure here has not been good. No. It's over. It has to be, right? It's over. But it's like, he's got the guy, like I said this on the walkover, he's got the guy who 
took UCF from being a shit program or a bad program to being a getting a bowl game and having an undefeated year. Um, and then getting recruited by Tom to come and try to do the same thing in Nebraska. Essentially, yes. And then you don't accomplish that job by answering the draft. Like, man, I go back to the Mike Riley years right now. Yep. Honestly, didn't we have an 8 and 4 season under Mike Riley? We did. God, what was that like? I can't remember what 8 and 4 season felt like. I remember those years, man. I remember thinking, oh my God, he has to go. We just got blown out by Buster. Yeah. I remember thinking that a man had to be fired because he couldn't stop Melvin Gordon. <laughs> Whereas it's, it's now Gerald Green, not the NBA journeyman, but the Georgia Southern running back, and uh, Kyle Vantries, a quarterback who looked incompetent against the same team in the same stadium last year. Like, you brought up the Mike Riley years, which I was going to mention as well, is the Scott, like, Mike Riley, the low point of his tenure, the the moment we all knew this was not going to work out, was losing to Northern Illinois. In the previous season, Northern Illinois had finished second in the MAC West and made the quick lane bowl. Georgia Southern was 3-9 and nine, and breaking in a new coach, who was fired in disgrace. Scott Frost is the worst coach this program has ever had. I do not see any room for debate on this. Hey, uh, that was like, that's the soundbite, right? That's the, that's the way we thought this one. And I, I cannot in good conscience disagree with that. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be a hot take at this point. No. Yeah. The, the the reason Mike Riley looked worse is because at the end of the season, his team quit on him, and from the last four games of the season, they did not legitimately care if they won or lost. I don't see Scott Frost even making it to that point. Yeah, I mean, we're headed there if he stays for the whole year. Exactly, because every player knows after this game that he is getting fired. It's just a matter of when. It's either this week, it's either October 1st, or it's at the end of the season. But no player has a reason to care about this season anymore if they care about Frost being there. Because he's gone. Give me a percentage of chance that Scott's out Monday morning. I'd say, like, I'm going to say 50. 50 to 60. Because Steve Sipple, who is far, far more plugged in than you or I or any of us, said on the podcast this week that firing before the October 1st buyout is possible. That is not something most Nebraska fans would have anticipated. But most Nebraska fans marked up Georgia Southern as a W. There. I agree, like, 50-50. Like, this is... We're all sad, but we're also super embarrassed and disappointed like that other... I know Lappingstock team, I'm embarrassed to be a Husker fan. There was such a weird feeling of sitting in the stands and watching the away team run over and just gallivant and mock us and just sit there and be mad, but also be like, you beat a bad program. Like, I, I can't be 
that bad because you're awful and you do that. I mean, all I can think about is this very common chance in English football. We lose every week. We lose every week. You're nothing special. We lose every week. <laughs> like, that's, that's how it feels at this point. <laughs> You yeah, got to break that out next week. Oh, of course. Like, I, being in, and I know Justin has the privilege of not attending this game, but I laughed. I mean, Jason does this. I laughed like a fucking maniac for the entire fourth quarter. Yay! I've converted you to the sicko side. I genuinely wanted George to go into it that game. I remember watching them get that touchdown and you just like laugh. Like me, Ella, Addy, everyone else in the student session, we're just bad. I'm just angry at the LA I, it's funny. Like, if you at all, and I totally understand folks who can't do this right because I was there for a long time. And tonight I think was the glitch. And if anything, I feel blessed that I was able to in-person enjoy full sicko mode Scott Frost era Nebraska. Yeah. It was a beautiful thing. It was incredible to watch. It, you see the vision now. Like. It's, dude, it's beautiful. It is. It's like Greek tragedy. I genuinely felt like I was watching a Greek play. It did, because. There were multiple points in that second half where it felt like the switch had flipped like it did in North Dakota, which we haven't even mentioned up until this point. But North Dakota... Yeah, an FCS team that went 4-7 and seven last year was not only competitive with Nebraska, but outplaying them through two and a half quarters. In the end of, at the end of the day, the depth difference was too much. You know, the reduced scholarship, the the recruiting discrepancies was too much, and Nebraska pulled away for an unsatisfying but, you know, decent-looking-on-paper 21-point victory. There were points in the second half where it looked like that could be the thing. But it never was. At every single turn, where it looked like the switch that flipped in North Dakota flipped again, the second half of North Dakota that I didn't even watch live, but watched on tape and on Game Pass that the switch flipped. Uh, it looked like that was going to happen again after the interception. After the seven-minute touchdown drive where Georgia Southern's defense looked ostensibly gassed. There were so many moments in that second half where it's like, okay, we messed around for way longer than we should have, but at the end of the day, this is going to be an unsatisfying win but that's 2-1 and one in the record books. Let's hope, you know, Oklahoma somehow we have something up our sleeve for that. But no, everything we punched Georgia Southern was unfazed by. And uh, I think the most telling moment of the game was uh, when Georgia Southern had fourth and goal and kicked a field goal. That was the exact Pat Fitzgerald strategy of a, hey, you, come and beat us. We are not going to try to do anything extra to beat you. We want you to come and beat us. That's insulting enough when Northwestern does it, 
But when Georgia Southern learns from Northwestern and does it to you, and it works all the same, I think I've said all that needs to be said about that right there. Honest to God, genuine question. Who is stupider? Scott Frost or Eric Schneider? Like, who is more dumb? I would say Scott Frost. I, I... I don't know if I've expressed it publicly on the pod, but uh, in the 2020 COVID year, I wanted Eric Sanander fired after that Oklahoma game, not Oklahoma, Illinois game, where uh, a bad Illinois team blew Nebraska out at home. But I'm willing, I was willing to eventually accept the COVID is weird excuse and have him back for another year, where the defense was undoubtedly the strong point of the team. This year, I think it's clear that the defense was a strong point of the team because we had like five 24-year-olds on it. The holes we plugged with with underclassmen and the transfer portal is not as valuable as having actual grown men on your defense. And Eric Sander looks every bit as the coordinator who got blown out by a mediocre Illinois team at home in a pandemic. So... I think Sinander had at least a reprieve of uh, his schematic failures in that 2021 season. Frost has never had that. And every single flaw that has come up in the Frost tenure was still present today. There has never been that calm of a, okay, maybe he's not the problem. So. No. No, I think that's fair. I mean, we could. I'm trying to keep this pod short because it's late. And my brain is like, we could go through, like, okay. Offense, defense, special teams, what went right, what went wrong. It feels futile. It feels unnecessary to talk about the ins and outs of that football game. Because if you have eyes, you can understand our program understand the place that Georgia Southern takes up in football, you understand. Like, it would be almost, it would be goofy to try and talk to anyone right now about what went wrong, because what didn't, Mm -hmm. what didn't go wrong over the course of that game? I mean, you can, you can, you can shoot me a positive and I don't care. Like, like my quick list, just like all I or play calling. Like, that's my top critique whenever it comes to Scott is always play calling. He's not even going to play anymore. I know. Uh, and so, and offensive, just poor decision-making. Routes that were run poorly. Poor throws that were made. Uh, just instantly. We're still, and I was complaining to you about it on the way home, just so defense. We're getting out all at once. We're getting outplayed by wide receivers that nobody does a darn thing about it. That's what was crazy. Like, we were driving home, and Gabe was like, it feels like they were just more athletic than us. Like, they were making stops. They were, like, both ends of the ball on the wide receiver cornerback battle. And I totally agree. We looked less athletic. What does that tell you? What does that tell you about this program 
than a Power 5 Big 10 former and not that unrecently very good former dynasty team. Look, look at Texas. Look at Texas. The one difference between us and Texas, as far as I can see it, okay, there's two. They're still in the Big 12, which you can maybe make the argument to me that they are more able to rebuild. The only other argument you can make that is the difference between us and that program is Mac Brown with his finger in the air getting a second put back on the clock. And Texas lost by one to the number one team in the goddamn nation. Now, you can tell me Alabama's not as good as he thought. You can tell me he's left on Texas. And I don't care. I don't fucking care. Do you know why? Because the goals that could have been between those teams was nothing compared between the obvious goals between coaching that we saw tonight in the Nebraska-Georgia Southern game. What happened? It's not important. It's not important what happened. I genuinely think Trev Alberts has made tough decisions. It takes a lot to come into UNO and say, you know what? We have a good for our size football team, and it still doesn't make sense to have it. I'm getting rid of it. Monday morning, 8 o'clock Central Time, that's when Trev Alberts shows whether or not he can cut the goddamn mustard if he can make the, the tough decision. And honestly, I'll respect it either way as long as he's gone by October 1st because I understand saving me money for this program. It's perfect best for this school to say it is ridiculous to cut him. On the other hand, I also think you got to make the appeal to Scott. I think you have to ask Scott to resign. He's already said he's not. I don't see him doing that. After tonight, you don't think that changes anything? No. What in Scott Frost's tenure have suggested that he is not stubborn? <laughs> reasonable. Yeah. That's a reasonable critique. But, like... Unless his players form a cue and tell him, you know, we're we're not playing for you anymore, I do not see what forces his hand to resign. I think that somewhere in Scott's brain he thinks he can turn this around still, you know? Because he's thought that throughout these four years where it was clear it wasn't working. It was clear as day the second year. It was clear as day the 0-6 start the first year. You know, when you when you say about the difference between us and Texas, the difference between us and Texas is Texas knows when to let go. Tom Herman won a Sugar Bowl, a New Year's Six Bowl, and they fired him after two seasons. And you know what? They are competing with the number one team in the nation, and we're losing to Georgia Southern. When Nebraska fans go like, who are you going to get? You can't just, you know, fire coaches every two years and expect to compete. Well, you just described how college football works. You absolutely can do that, because teams do do that, okay? It's not my fault you don't know how the structure of the sport works. You fire coaches until you find the right one. That's how the sport works. We have given Frost every excuse in the book, multitudes beyond ones he has earned, and it has now 
beyond a shadow of a doubt clear that he is not the man. Any day that he is still the coach of this football program, you know, is a day admitting that, what was my conclusion to that? I had a good sentence there, I just forgot it. But you know what I'm trying to say. Is that I, ed- I can pull that together for you. Yeah. Every day Scott Frost runs this program is a day admitting we're not a blue blood anymore, we're irrelevant to college football, and we're not serious about this football program. Exactly. That's, that's what I was trying to say. We're not serious. Every day that Scott Frost is a coach of this program is a day that we accept to ourselves that this is the best we can do. And I believe unequivocally that is not true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just unfathomable. George is southern. Nick can tell you, like, I, for the better part of the walk home and the drive, I've just been silent and just, like, standoffish. Like, me against that field goal, then I, like, stood there. I could barely process it. I need to. I turned to Gabe. Before the field goal happened, I said, if we go to halftime, I'm, or if we go to overtime, I'm leaving. I don't want to stay here and watch this. Because also, are you confident that if we made that kick, we win the game? Not at all. we Scott Frost teams in overtime. Do you want to know a fun stat about overtime? The last time, not that we won an overtime game, although we won it. The last time we scored an overtime game, in an overtime game, was Bo Pelini's last game. Not not the last overtime win. The last time we scored a singular point in an overtime game was the game that we fired Bo Pelini for because we could not have been in overtime against Iowa at that point in time. Hashtag bring back Bo. No. I don't. <laughs> people, people will absolutely have that argument this week, and I think it is stupid. People will say... Who are we realistically going to bring in at this point to turn this around? You have to sit and let Frost do what he needs to do. Trust the process. Have the wisdom and the understanding to recognize that this is how football works. And I'm talking directly to you, and unironically thinks this. You are stupid. You are fuck, fuck stupid, and you do not deserve the sport of college football. Like, you are too dumb to be alive. If you genuinely think Scott Frost should be given more time. Yeah. The whole thing in this sport is all of the turnover is fast. Right? Coaches turn over quickly. Players turn over at most during COVID over like six years. Everything changes quickly. It's not a sport about parity, right? If you want that, go watch the goddamn NFL where anybody can win the league any year, right? Except the Falcons. Except the Falcons. Go thanks. Um, see you tomorrow, buddy. But anyway. Yeah, uh, you're going to win. Oh, absolutely. But um, Scott said something last week that was astonishing to me. Scott said we have the smartest fans in college football. <laughs> Cap. Bro, get the fuck out of here. That's, that's ridiculous. 
We don't have the smartest fans in college football. If we did, he would have been gone after 2019. I'm going to be real with you. If we did, I don't think Scott's hired. I I strongly disagree. I mean, he was like the only, like, he looked good. He did look good. I'll buy that. I, there there have been rumors by other fans of uh, programs who were rumored to have interest in Scott Frost at the time. And bear in mind, there has been no reference of or actual source of these beyond message board and Reddit comments of, like, of, of, like, people claim that, like, Florida and Tennessee wanted to hire Scott Frost as they had coaching vacancies at the time, and he had just went 13-0 and won the Peach Bowl. But he apparently was so unimpressive in the interview that uh, those coaches, those 80s or whatever, left, you know, appalled at anybody who would want to hire him and just let Nebraska have him. Granted, again, unsourced, Message board information of people who did not hire Scott Frost or maybe never even had an interview with him as his sites were pretty much set on Nebraska before the American Championship game even was. Okay, but, but let's, let's, honest to God, let's think about this for a minute. Considering the last four going on five years of press conferences, does he seem like a fucking stutter in an interview? I, I, again, I don't, you know, all my doubt as to the legitimacy of those things comes from the source, the sourcing of it. I don't doubt that if he had a serious interview with Florida, he would appear unimpressive. But I also don't doubt that uh, if Florida did not think they had something, you know, at least comparable lined up, that they would not be able to look past that. Because I think that Scott Frost was legitimately in high demand as a coach. I don't think that uh, him not being as much of a talker at all would have much of an effect on a... This is somebody who would, A, get the fans energized, and B, recruit well, and C, do a good job in this area. I don't think that going in the time machine to 2018... And uh, talking down on Scott Frost would have made much of any sense, despite of what would have happened in any proverbial interview. This was a hire that made all the sense in the world at the time. Hires like that fail just as much as hires that don't make any sense fail. This this does nothing about the fan base. This was the guy we wanted and the guy we hired. Okay, This was a guy who made all the sense in the world at the time, who at the very least had some sniffing interest, from some SEC programs, and was worth a shot. The G5 flavor of the week coach almost always gets a shot at a major program of a prestige higher than Nebraska. We were lucky that he quarterbacked here and that we got him because in normally the case of an undefeated G5, somebody with a better, you know, panache of a job opening gets them. There are exceptions, of course, you know, you can look at the like Mike Norvell in Florida State as the rule and P.J. Fleck and Minnesota as the counter based on whose jobs are available at what time and the vibes of each coach. But I strongly disagree that Frost was not worth a shot. He absolutely was. Most of the coaches 
I have lined up in my head to replace Frost come from a similar cloth of a, they have done great things at a G5 program. It's worth a shot of seeing what they've got. But if they so obviously don't got it within two years there, then I think you can pull the plug, as Texas did. And you can go to sit here and you got to hope we're done. You, you just got to hope it's over. Monday or October 1st, please see this not the end of the year. Yeah. Just for the sheer embarrassment we're going to undergo. But I think the, the thought to leave it tonight is like I was having a conversation with my cousin at the game. Shout out to Matt. And we were we were BSing, and I was like, you know what? The moment I lost faith in Scott Frost, I was sitting in the DN, and the editors of the sports section were having a serious discussion regarding a rumor that Scott Frost reads at a third grade level. That was a serious thought. We all sat around and interchanged. Multiple people from multiple sections were called over and asked their thoughts on it based on what he said in the press conference that day. I don't even remember what he said. It wasn't important. Because all I need to know is that a year ago, we were sitting around and asking ourselves, can this man reach? If you have any doubt that your head coach of a Power 5 team can read the English language at higher than a third grade level, you've got concerns. Like, that, that should be enough right there. If there's any doubt, if that's a legitimate rumor, that's sure. I mean, are we student journalists? Yeah. Are we maybe taking the test a little bit? Yeah. But I genuinely mean it that we are having a quasi, at the very least, for everyone. And for some of us, like, genuinely scratching our heads. Can this man read? That's when I was like, you know what? Regardless of whether or not, like, regardless of what happens from here, I'm out. I'm out. If I have any questions, it's like, coaching a football team is hard. Football is a complicated tactical sport. It requires precise decision-making. It requires enough tact to keep the uh, locker room together. I'm begging you, any Hunter fan that stumbles into this, as you doom-scroll Spotify, looking for more people to make sense of what happened. The answer is we can't. We genuinely cannot. And anyone who tries to do so this week is a fool. Anyone who tries to make sense of what happened today is a fool. The only viable option is to remove the obvious problems from the program and desperately try to move forward. Mm-hmm. And before anyone takes the super doomer route of uh, thinking that uh, this program will never be at a remotely respectable uh, place again, there have been worse programs than us that have brighter futures than us now. UConn won uh, two games in three years, or three games in two years, whatever it was. 
they are objectively on an upward trajectory right now. Kansas was Kansas football. They won their conference opener today. They are objectively on the upward trajectory right now. There have been situations infinitely worse than Nebraska with programs like UConn, who is the one school in the country who can honest to God say their university devotes more funds to women's basketball than football. And they have managed to get on an upward trajectory. Kansas, a team that at one point in time had less Big 12 conference wins than North Dakota State, a team in the FCS, is now on the upward trajectory. This thing can be saved. We just need to find someone who can do it. And if that someone can't do it within two, three, four years, we move on to the next guy. There is nothing preventing us from being respectable again. There have been programs in far worse situations than us, which, believe it or not, do exist. You know who else lost to Georgia Southern? Florida. They, they lost today, but they beat Utah last week. They had to fire some coaches to get there, but they got there. This is not unsalvageable by any stretch of the imagination. You just got to find the right guy. You might have to cycle through a few people, but guess what? That's how the sport works. If you try out enough shoes, one of them's going to fit. I genuinely think that's wise. I think that's the take every which can take forward from tonight and from the whole broad era. Um, last time we talked, I said that the next time we talked would be free during Oklahoma. <laughs> I was wrong. I don't see myself potting again. I could be wrong, right? Maybe something will happen that compels me to sit down and chat about this team again. But I don't see myself potting again until we know Scott's out. Because yeah. why would we talk about this goddamn team? Absolutely. You said, like, what interesting could happen in the Oklahoma game? If, if Scott were to have escaped Georgia Southern, he would still need the Oklahoma win to secure his job, you know? That, I think he's been done since Northwestern. Yeah. Which, again, this is a point I was planning to bring up tonight. And something I'm remiss I didn't put to the front of my mind earlier, uh, Shout out Josh Peterson, I believe, of, an, of Unnecessary Roughness. But uh, he, he pointed this out, and it, like, it made too much sense for me to deny, despite me have said things that contradicted this statement. If we were, in fact, so close last year, why did we change everything? If, if we were, in fact, so close last year, would it not make more sense to bring back Adrian, to bring back Lubick and the offensive staff, and to, you know, hope that those one or two plays in every game flipped instead of creating an entirely new offense if we were, in fact, so close? So either we weren't so close or we just did something super dumb. There is, either way, I don't feel good about it, but you have to admit that one of those is true. Either A... Last year, we weren't, in fact, the best 3-9 and team of all time. And there are stats that back that up because most of our, our close losses were like we trailed the majority of the game. 
we led for like 12 minutes in those losses. We had some backdoor touchdowns against Minnesota and Purdue, but for most of those losses, we were playing behind and just never went away. That's different than a close loss. Or, we were actually, in fact, that close. And those backdoor touchdowns, those close trails, were just somehow the result of one or two things that sparked a feedback loop that were irreversible. Unless those one or two plays were changed, we would have won. If that's, in fact, the case, why did you kick out Adrian and the offensive staff? You cannot make that make sense any other way. Charlie and the team gives me a headache, and I genuinely think we have to call it there. I am fairly serious. I don't see myself wanting to talk about this team until Scott's out. At which point, like, expect us to pot immediately, because I'm excited about the prospect of even a year under this current coaching staff that has new energy and new direction. But if I'm a player tonight, I'm giving up until Scott's out. Yeah. I'm on his coaching staff. I know either we're all fired or at least he is. I, I just want to pose y'all with the topical question. Uh, let's say beginning of Frost tenure or last year or whenever, I pose you the question, who lasts longer, Scott Frost or the Queen? What do you think your answer is? I don't... I would have, at the beginning, I would have said... Scott Frost. What about the beginning of this year? Oh, the Queen. <laughs> so he beats the Queen. For the worst, way faster than any of us expected. <laughs> also, so glad she said Skydive. Anyway. <laughs> it finally happened. We've been joking about that day for like five years on the internet. About time. She might have only been by a couple of days. Yeah, she might have. It's the same she didn't get to see this game. <laughs> All right. Hey, man. Yeah. But Always a pleasure. Thank you. Except this one. Oh, <laughs> this was just miserable. It was. Uh, always good to talk with you. Amen, brother. Uh, and listening to me, BS. Yeah, no. Thanks for coming on, Gabe. I appreciated yeah. it. You haven't had a guest in, like, years. If Gabe is free for the, like, Scott is fired, like, God, I hope we have to do that Monday. Oh, me too. Like, I hope we have to do it tomorrow. I hope we have to do it tomorrow. That would be even better. I hope we wake up and we're like, shit, we got a pot again. Yeah. So edit this one, like, first thing. Yeah.